Well, hello, everybody. It is good to see your smiley faces after a nice restful week off, which was um, was a bit bizarre when you have all these nice plans of things you wanted to go and do, and then you get told you can't do them, isn't it? So as it was, it's been very restful and we've done many walks had. Um, we're now, if you want to go get your Bibles, now might be the time to go and get it if you've not got it already. Well, we're going to be looking at John 13, uh, 1 to 17. And we're going to be looking at service in our new series, uh, Rhythms, Practicing the Ways of Jesus, which Matt so wonderfully introduced us to um, last week. If you've not um, seen the little video that I did and then heard Matt's talk, uh, it's on, it's on um, wherever you get your podcasts from, you are able to listen to it on that, on Apple or whatever the equivalent of Apple podcast is. Um, <laughs> um, but do listen to it because it, um, and do go and watch the video because it really um, illustrates what we really want to get from this series. And that is to bring us all onto the same page, to really get to grips with what is it Jesus wants to teach us about the way that he lived. And we're going to, we are going to, we're going to look at lament, we're going to look at giving, we're going to look at confession, we're going to look at things that aren't always the most easy topics to talk about. No doubt when I talk about lament with you, I'll cry with you. That's, that's what lament's about, isn't it? Um, but today we're looking at service. And I think service is a quite an interesting thing, but it's what, what God, what Jesus did, wasn't he? He served people and he taught his disciples to go and serve too. But when I was, uh, like reading around, just seeing where I wanted to go with this. Um, I came across this illustration about service. Um, and I just thought, it, I read it to Harry and we both had a chuckle, but it illustrates perfectly what, what service sometimes should be. So here we go. Remember the days when we could fly. One day, an, air flight, an airline flight was cancelled due to bad weather. One solitary agent was trying to rebook all of the travellers whose schedule had gotten messed up. One passenger became impatient and pushed his way to the front and slammed his ticket down on the counter. He said, I have to be put on this flight and, I, and it has to be first class. The agent politely said, I'm sorry, sir. I'll help as soon as I can, but I have to take care of these other pass passengers first. The man became angry and shouted, do you have any idea who I am? Without hesitating, the agent picked up the loudspeaker microphone and said to hundreds of people in the terminal, may I have your attention, please? We have a passenger here at the gate who does not know who he is. If anyone could help him find his identity, please come to the gate. The man backed off and the crowd of people burst into applause. Regardless of whom this man was, whether he was rich or famous or a little bit of both, he certainly didn't have any respect for the people at the terminal that day. It's hard to respect someone who considers themselves the most important person in the room and who puts his or her needs above everybody else. I find that illustration quite funny, but it's also really annoying when that person comes into the room and thinks I should be the centre of attention. I am what you should all be looking at and you should all be dealing with me first. You here might think, oh, I know, I know a person like that. That might be your spouse. It might be your teenager, your child, your neighbour, your mother-in-law. Um, it might be, just saying. But maybe I'm actually talking about you. However, have you ever said, I'm not going to do that? No one's going to tell me to do that. I don't have to put up with this. They don't realise who I am. 
they don't appreciate all I do around here. I don't get any respect. If you've said any of these things or thought these things, I'm talking directly to you. And I'm afraid I'm also talking directly to myself because these are likely things that we've all said at some point out loud. Thus that I think that we need to be reminded that there is no job beneath us. And if we do think there is a job beneath us, then we're not following the ways of Jesus. So our reading today is from John 13 and it's one to 12. And this isn't probably the most seasonal reading that we could have, but I felt it, there was no better reading for service than this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that he had an hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas and the son of Simeon Iscariot to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from the God land was returning to God. So he got up from his meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't know, you do not realize now what I'm going, what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I washed you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so. But what that is was is what I am. Now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That is the word of the Lord. <laughs> so foot washing, why did they do it? What is it that's so important about foot washing? Well, foot washing was a quite an ancient tradition. It still happens in parts of the world where um, when I went to India, I, I was walking through a town and you could go and have your foot washed. Um, there's little people on the side of the road who were just there to make a few rupees. Washing feet is a, a, a thing that was remained for the, the lowest person in the household. It'd probably be a younger woman. In, in our household, it would be me. And it primarily was the young woman. 
because it was this thing that was considered so dirty. People wore sandals in that time. They walked everywhere, occasionally rode on a donkey, but predominantly would have walked absolutely everywhere. So your feet would get dirty. Roads aren't clean and sanitized like they are now. So you imagine everything and everything you can possibly imagine would have been on the roads that they've worked, walked on. Now add to that the fact that they don't sit and eat a meal sat upright like we do, you, they recline. So someone's feet are in your face. Um, foot washing is a really important thing. Nobody wants their st somebody's stinky feet in their face when they're trying to eat their nice flatbread and whatever else, that bit of lamb they might have been eating or that bit of fish. You don't want a stinky foot in your face. So to have your feet washed was an important task, but it wasn't, it was remained for the lowest person in the household or the least paid person or the servant or the maid. But what is significant is that person was definitely not Jesus. Jesus was not the person in the room whose job was to do that. Yet he took it upon himself for that job to be his. He came not as a king as a or a conqueror, but as a suffering servant, it tells us in Isaiah 53. He came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for the many. When Jesus washes these disciples' feet, it's an act that's foreshadowed, but it's also an act of ultimate humility and love that we then see on the cross, which is the ultimate, the absolute ultimate act of humanity and love. This was just a little glimpse of what was to come. But the disciples saw this, especially Peter, and said, no, 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 don't do that to me. You can possibly do that to me. You cannot wash my feet. Yet Jesus says, no, I'm going to wash your feet. <laughs> because that shows that I have forgiven you, that I am washing you of your sins. And Peter is really confused by this. He doesn't really understand why Jesus is saying this. And he says, well, wash my head, my hands, wash all of me. But he's not really getting the message here. He gets so confused and says, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. That's what Jesus says. He was really, he was, a, he was just so confused by the situation. But by Jesus doing this, he showed his love. He showed his forgiveness for them. He showed his care for them. This passage, as it's situated in the lead up to Jesus's death, and he knew as well that Judas, what Judas was going to do, we see that in the passages, it says that he knew what was going to happen. But of all these people, what makes this an even greater act of humility is that Jesus also washes his betrayer's feet. The man that had sentenced his life to death, he said, you know what, I love you. I'm still going to wash your feet. That passage also reminds us that actually Judas wasn't with Jesus because he betrayed him. It is so significant, I think, this passage 
in showing us how we should act as servants of God. How we should wash and care for the people, even those who turn their backs on us, even those who hurt us, even those that we don't like. We should still choose to love them and put them first. That's what Jesus did in here. There is so much to this passage that's so in-depth theological stuff that teaches us all about discipleship. But I want you to take home from this point at the moment is that nobody or nothing is beneath you. Throughout Jesus's life, he doesn't just show that nothing is beneath us in terms of how we should serve others. In fact, he, doesn't, he shows us that a good deed, the way that we serve people, isn't just a, a one-act wonder. That phrase, I've done my good deed for the day, that was not how Jesus lived. He lived as a man who quietly served people and did continuously wonderful acts every single day. In fact, here the way he served people was so ingrained in his life that he just did it. It wasn't a matter of if and but, or should I pause for this person in a rush to get to this place? He just loved them and did what he'd got to do to serve the people of God. We see, it's funny, Mark, that you brought up about the woman in the well, because Jesus goes out of his way. There are so many routes to get to where this woman was. Um, if you look on a map um, of the woman at the well, but Jesus actually took the longest route and potentially one of the most dangerous routes because he knew that he needed to be with that woman at the well. This woman was also an outcast from society. Nobody wanted her because she'd slept around with different people, with different men. Yet in the middle of the hot blazing sun, Jesus sat with her and chatted with her and shared the gospel. We see it with the woman who's about to be stoned to death. He steps in and he saves this woman. He doesn't just save her, but tells her the gospel as well, the way of Jesus. We see it with the healing of the centurion when these men come to find Jesus, to take him, to go and heal them. We also see it in the feeding of the 5,000 that Jesus is on a is actually going with his disciples to take them to a place to teach them. But on the way, he has stopped to go and feed 5,000 people. That isn't an act that I think takes an hour. I think he was there quite a while to feed all these people. Throughout the gospels, we continuously see time and time and time again, how Jesus is interrupted by others who need his help. And what does he do? He lays down his time and his efforts and his energy, and he helps these people. I think we have to remember that Jesus was 100% human and 100% divine. We see that he has to go off to quiet places to go and be with God. He needed, he needed his energy and his rest just as much as we do. He needed that quiet time with God as much as we do. My point of all of this is time and time again, we see Jesus go out his, his way, big or small, to serve people in radical ways. But what can we learn from Jesus's way of service? The Bible helps us with this. Matt said last week in his uh, talk, if it's not in the book, 
then don't give it a look. That's his wording. So if it's not in the book, don't give it a look. But these things are in the Bible and it tells us more about how to serve. It says in Philippians 2, 3 to 5, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain or conceits, rather in humil humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. Serving others is more than keeping up a to-do list. To be a servant means we genuinely need to care about people. It's keeping our eyes and hearts and schedules open to what Jesus has for us and what Jesus has planned for us. Jesus was not stressed by time, what others thought of him or the list of tasks accomplished each day. Heck, we see Jesus in Mark spit in someone's face to heal them. Jesus did not care about what people thought about him. Jesus was led by the spirit of God and followed his prompting to serve, love and help others. No task was ever beneath Jesus and no person who, however outcasted they were, however unwanted, however smelly, however rich, however hated because they were a tax collector, whoever they were, Jesus loved them, even the person that betrayed him. And we see in Galatians 5, 15, it tells us, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather serve one another humbly in love. Serving others and genuine love, they go hand in hand. But what exactly does that look like? How do we genuinely love even the unlovable? How do we let go of our to-do lists? How do we position, position ourselves? How do we act humbly? How do we go about life to, to love the lost and save the least? How do we go about life to serve people radically and authentically and not be afraid to stop? I think I've shared this story with you before, but Harry and I have a friend that was once shopping and felt God say to him, go to the woman in the Pringles aisle. And he was like, no, I, I've got two kids with me. I need to go and I need to go about my day. I'm not going to go to these people in the Pringles aisle, this woman. But when Jesus, when the, our friend Sam did this and he shared what he had for this woman, this woman broke down in tears and gave her life to God. Sometimes you should listen to God. We should always listen to God but we should act on what he's saying. If he's, if he's convicting us of something, to go and do something, to share something, to go up to someone, I really feel that we should. And this is what this passage is telling us, that sometimes we've got to stop and listen to God and go and do what he's asking to do us. Serving God though, I'm, I'm so aware is not always easy. To serve God in the way that we see in the Bible, to do it radically, authentically in, in our lives that are so rich, that are so busy, is really hard. Like our friend Sam, who didn't want to go up to this woman because it's seen as a bit weird just to go up to somebody you don't know. But Harry and I joke that we're both a little bit weird because we're aware that we live differently to the world and the way that people live. That we aren't the typical millennials. But that's because we want to be like Jesus. We want to serve and live radically and authentically like Jesus. So if you're thinking, how do I start? How do we even begin to serve people? 
where do I start? Well, I'm going to finish with a few ways I think might be really good ways to begin your journey of serving others the way that Jesus served them. So it is, firstly, is your heart struggling to love others? Well, I think you need to ask Jesus for a bit of a heart change. Be open to him working and stretching and changing your heart. This may bring out some things you need to address or work on. It may be challenging, but it will be well worth it. When you go off to be trained to be a vicar, you have a thing called formation training. And I used to joke that I felt like I was stood at the front of a sea edge on a really bad day and was just being battered by the waves. Because that's what it feels like to be formed by God, that the things of old, the things that are not of him need to be stripped away. And that can be painful. But as we've heard, as we've already talked about, Jesus is with us and will work with you through that. So first of all, do you need a heart change? Secondly, how busy is your day? Have you got back-to-back things? Have you got time? I know that we, much of us have got a lot of time at the moment. Others aren't stopping because of the situation that we're in. But have you got time in your schedule to be interrupted by God? To be interrupted to serve others? Perhaps you need to ask him, to interrupt me today or set aside some time to serve others, to actively go out and help your neighbors. Thirdly, three, that's where I am. (laughs) Begin placing others first in your day. Think about the needs of others before your own. Do you see a family member struggling? Do you see that you need to help someone out Or do you, when we're queuing, we have to queue all the time, don't we, again at the moment? Is there somebody that you think needs to go in front of you instead? Does your neighbour need to to cut their lawn because they're unable to? What can you do to take care of something for somebody else? Just quietly get on with it. Can you do that for someone? And lastly, to listen to God. Do what he says. Follow God's prompting and leading when going about your day. If you feel you should stop and serve, do it. It doesn't necessarily mean you take on every opportunity presented to you. But pray, ask God and listen and do what he says. So those four things. Ask God for a heart change. Take a look at your schedule. Place others first and listen to God. Serving Jesus or serving the way of Jesus, practicing the way of Jesus is something that it's hard to get into the practice of. It can feel really difficult. You know that thing we say in the new year or or lots of people are saying is well you've got to get like a a structure to your day. Perhaps the structure that you need to add into your day is service and serving Jesus 
serving the way that Jesus does and in the process you're serving Jesus too because you're you're being his you're his ground men <laughs> you're being his feet helping him out if you want to look at it like that as well <laughs> I'm gonna leave it there and I'm gonna hand back over to Matt